the eyes of the outcast. What's wrong with me? Lost, forsaken, lonely. Abandoned and broken, a place of forlorn, weighed down and scorned. This misery is agony, lost in its pain. Isolated, defeated, without a Someone steps up, what's this I see? Who is this here talking to me? They're asking me questions and want to know my name, to hear my stories and feel my pain. I have been broken, but I've been putting pieces together by being Light breaks the darkness when others draw near. Family, community, friends to hold dear. So we are in our third and our final Sunday of our sermon series called On Holy Ground. And that is um, out of this year-long focus and really just dialing in on relationship and community as a primary and top value of, of this ministry and what we're doing and what we should be seeking and, and lending ourselves to and pursuing in whatever we're doing in um, wherever we're sitting and whatever season we're in. And so really for us, um, making a, a kind of a bold and theological statement that relationship and community are truly the most important thing in our faith lives. And we have, we have kind of backed that up and argued for that because one, God made us and designed us for relationship and community at the very groundwork. Two, God chose to uniquely reveal himself in relationship and in community. So you, you look for God on your own, but God will show up the clearest, always. He chooses to through community. And then thirdly, this Sunday, we're talking about how God um, not only does those two things, but chooses then to do his greatest works and accomplish his greatest good and longest impacts through the community, through the community. So we dive into that this morning, and it's going to be a good ride. So this is a journey that started for me when I uh, entered into seminary a week before um, before my classes started. I had a brand new friend in seminary invite me to go and hike my first 14er. And um, yeah, so essentially, if you're in Colorado, there are 56 mountaintops that reach above 14,000 feet in elevation. And um, some of these mountains are very challenging, and some of them are super, super easy. So don't get too excited. But um, so I did that first one with my friend Patrick, who has now become a lifelong friend. And he introduced me to this. And um, over the course of about 11 years, I've attempted 31 of the 14. 14ers, and I've, I've, I've summited 29 of them, and, um, and it's been just a really good ride, you know, and I've, I've taken up um, a lot of folks, and I've also gone by myself, and the funny thing is about going by yourself, or when I'm with other people, like, I always see people going by themselves, and I'm like, ah, oh, that'd be kind of nice, you know, just, they're all scampering up the mountain like it's a walk in the park, you know, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I would, I would love to try that and see how fast I can climb up this, you know, but this is good, I'm with other people, you know. So then um, I have climbed or hiked uh, quite a few of them on my own, and, um, and, and, and I well, I can sort of scamper and sort of die along the way. Um, but, you know, it feels good. And this is, I can't, I, I can't quite remember where I am, but I actually lost that hat on that mountain. And I, that was a sad day for me, but I'm alive, so that's good. Um, <laughs> 
But, uh, you know, like I, for a while, got really sucked into hiking by myself because I could get more mountains in and do it quicker. But what I have noticed all along is that um, the, the mountain climbs that I have done with other people are truly the ones that have mattered and meant the most to me. It has always been better together. Even if in the moment I get a little uh, ego trip and think, man, these guys are slowing me down. Um, I've had some of the best memories. Uh, there was one time bef- right before we were headed up the mountain, um, I threw a Frisbee, a good, a good ultimate 125 gram or whatever it is, 180, something like that, like at a guy and he wasn't looking and he turned around and it bashed him right in the front teeth. And so like halfway up the mountain, he's just like gushing blood. Like, that was awesome. Um, there was another time I took, <laughs> I took two uh, novices and, um, and they weren't, you know, real familiar with the outhouses at the bottom of the mountain. So they decided to wait till 13,900 feet to really, really, really have to go. That was awkward. Um, there's no cover. The trees are gone. <laughs> There's been a lot of good memories. Um, I've taken, I think, I think I counted like probably like ten people um, up top of a mountain who had never done that before, and like shared that mountaintop literal and figurative um, experience with them. And oh gosh, you know, like I'll remember those. Like that's why I can't remember where I was on that mountain because it was an up and down, and I did it fast. But that's all that mattered. Um, it always. We're always better together. Life is better together. But while we believe that and we know that at some level, uh, today I, I do think that we are in a very contrasted reality of that truth. Is that we've moved from a fragmented society into what social scientists are now calling an atomized society. Or, anim- an, well, I can't even say it right um, atomism. There we go. Got it. So um, this is kind of this eerie thing. And I've, I've put a little bit of a quote up here um, that describes this. Uh, Chap Clark and other social scientists are working on this uh, definition. But it's essentially, it's saying that we are so familiar and comfortable with being alone or understanding ourselves as our own unique entity that like atoms, the elemental building blocks of everything in our world, we Uh, are no longer connected to anything. And we might come together to build something, but we see ourselves as radically individualized. Atomism defines the individual as the basic unit of society rather than families or groups. It is the state of society made up of a collection of self-interested, self-contained, and largely self-sufficient individuals operating as separate entities. All values and moral behavior, morals, behaviors, and relationships therefore emerge entirely out of the interests and actions of the individual. Each individual is therefore the only true object of concern and decision-making and consideration. You know, what's funny is that a lot of our marketing, a lot of our uh, imaging, a lot of our promoting actually really celebrates this. Free at last. Be your own person. Don't let anyone slow you down or influence you or change your path or all that. 
free at last. But there's a couple problems with that. And I don't mean to kind of rain on the parade, but there's a couple problems with that. First of all, um, this is kind of like the, the anti-gospel message. Because um, when, we, when we come to Jesus, when we hear about him, when we learn about him, and we're, by the way, we're not going to get all of our answers, but we're going we're gonna to continue to grow in him and, and see him in our lives. Coming to Jesus and being in relationship with him and choosing to follow him is a path of surrender. Not of building up the self, but of letting go of the self, of choosing his way instead of ours. And it's a path of joining not breaking away and building up self as a separate entity, but joining others and becoming not just me, but becoming us. And becoming one in Christ, in the body of Christ. Gather here this morning. It's about then pursuing others as your top care and your top concern putting others before yourself. That's what the gospel is, and it's exactly counter to everything that this atomism is promoting or describing. And um, the ultimate thing is that if this surrender and joining and pursuing others, if that's what we call the gospel, that's what we ultimately call the good news, and that anything that would run counter to that is essentially the bad news. Perhaps even uh, if I can be so bold, it might be the toxic news or the evil news of our society and the ways that we're being drawn into this. You know, the other problem with this is also that um, when you start taking apart the body or community, when you start when you start breaking apart the deep bond of relationships and unity, you literally start disabling the body. The body no longer has the capacity to function when it's pulled apart. It becomes counterproductive. And I'm talking about that from a family level to a friendship level to a church level to a community to a nation to a world, we start to lose our capacity to do good things when we are pulled apart. Friends, it's like if you went home and started unassembling your car, laid it all out in the driveway, and then expected it to perform like it did previously. You think about that. Or your, whatever, your phone, like, like you take it all apart. You know, the parts are better than the sum. And then it's like, well, how come this thing doesn't work anymore? <laughs> the bottom line is that, um, that God never intended that. In fact, God intended something very drastically different, and I would argue very drastically more beautiful. And this point on our worship outline here is that God's value for relationship and community is so central, so important to him, so top priority that he not only decided to appear clearest in community, 
But he also insisted that his best works, his greatest works, his greatest glory, his biggest long-lasting impact would be done through that community. Friends, Paul knew this so well. And if, um, just in case we think that we have really kind of like gone downhill since the early church or whatever, um, this was Paul's concern as well. So this is not something new. It is perhaps just a little bit accentuated, um, a little heightened in our current day. But look what Paul says. This is his letter to the Ephesians. And um, I found this to be additionally clarifying from the message. Confirmance, if you haven't talked about the different versions of the Bible, that's a really good conversation for Trent Hill. He'll, he'll school you and all that stuff. He's a smart cookie. So uh, that's one of the cool things you get to do that exploring. But um, in the message, look how this reads. It says, God can do anything, you know. So we know, like, yeah, God, like, created the universe. That seems to be encompassing of just about everything. Far more than we can ever imagine or guess or request in our wildest dreams. Then he does it not only by, pu- not by pushing us around. So God's not forceful and God's not just saying, hey, you know, you know you're my puppet or you're my, you're my, you know, my pawn, my chess piece. He's not pushing around, but by working within us. By working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. And I want you to notice that Paul says, within us, within us. See, he traced it all the way to the, back to the Greek, and it is very clear. The assumptive language here is that Paul is not talking to you or that guy or that gal. He's talking to the community of which he saw himself a part us together. And then I love this, just to testify a little bit more, he goes on in verse 21, and he says, glory to God in the church. This is how you know he's not just talking about you or some individual. He's saying, so glory, God is so glorious, and you can see him in his church. Glory to God in the Messiah, in Jesus. You see that partnership of the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son. Glory down all generations. Glory to God, essentially through this big community that stretches over thousands of years. And glory to God through all millennia, like all the way up to present. Oh yes, Paul says. And so, uh, you know, what we see in this is God's top hits throughout all history have been accomplished through his community and in relationship. Yes, it is true that when we read in the Bible, we tend to marvel a lot when God causes fire to fall from the sky or God breathes wind and parts the seas or you know, God makes things rain down from heaven and people can eat it and all that fun stuff. Like We marvel at that. But it is still truer and longer lasting impact God's work through people. Jesus didn't just show up, by the way. He wasn't brought down in a cloud. He was born into a family as a baby, as a dependent. So there was a community that birthed this child, the son of God, the savior, the salvation of humankind. And Jesus, when he grew up, didn't just go out there like a lone sailor, like a, like a, a, a hero or a champion, an Iron Man. Like, uh, he was not a Wolverine. Like he had these disciples. He had a community and a family tightly knit together. And, and God's 
power and God's truth and God's love manifested through them together. And the church, the church, the early church from the church now did not just go out and, and, and save people and offer them food and shelter and clothing and a place to belong and give them a future and a name and dignity and do all these incredible things um, through just a couple wealthy benefactors. They did it together, just as when we look at Horizons pouring into lives of changing lives, of, of providing for those in need, of reaching out to those all the way across the ocean in India, hundreds and hundreds of children, of blessing a local elementary school in Zeman, of packing 85 backpacks a week to distribute to people in need, to um, vacation Bible school, promoting the name of Jesus anywhere from 400 to 600 kids at a time. Um, none of those things. The the, the Sunday fusion, the Sunday confirmation classes, the, the Arise classes, anything that's going on here has never been accomplished by the role of just one person. The paying off of the debt was not made by some wealthy Jeff Bezos kind of guy that just rolled in and flipped a check our way. It was the hands and the feet of everyone in this community, this body that God has so tightly knit together and said, I'm going to work through you. You're kind of messy. Sometimes you smell bad, but I got you and I love you and I'm going to do my greatest, my longest lasting impacts through you. Not through a few staff, not through a pastor, but through our community. That's the revelation. And sometimes we forget it. I once went through confirmation. It was like a year and a half long, and um, and it was it was good. And I really came really close to my confirmation class. And I remember, so we uh, we got confirmed right around like graduation time. We had a summer, and then we were all going to come back and like be the awesomest confirmation class in the world. There was like eighteen of us that graduate or that got went through confirmation together. And I remember that first Sunday because we had Sunday school, Sunday mornings. And I remember walking into our new room and I was like, oh, here we go again. And there were three of us that showed up that next day. I was so mad. I was a, a freshman in high school and I was like, what just happened? I thought we were in this together. I thought we were doing this together. And it broke my heart. And I remember, I remember calling every single one of those confirmands. Where are you, dude? You know, um, community matters. But the writer of Hebrews to the Hebrew community, chapter 10, writes these incredible words. And again, mindful of his community, mindful of our community today. So let us, because of everything that God has done in this community, the family that he's created, let us hold unswervingly. You're learning to drive pretty soon. Like swerving is when you do this and your parents scream, okay? Let us hold on swervingly to the hope we confess. He's our hope. It doesn't make sense, but we confess that we have hope for he who promised is faithful. God has never gone anywhere. You know, he's just running after you when you run fast. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing, even then, even now, but instead encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day coming. You see that? Let us spur another, one another onto good deeds. 
and love. And let's keep meeting together. Let's stay connected. The day is coming. The day of the Lord is coming, and we don't know when it is. But I don't know about you, but I'd rather be working to the minute it comes. To the good of the kingdom, of the glory of God, of the good for every single person who is walking, has walked this earth. So this is really cool. Um, I preach once a month at uh, Yankee Hill Village, formerly known as the Clark Jerry Village, um, just over here. And so I went there Thursday, and I was actually a little bit early. It surprised me. It was cool. So I was talking to some of the residents before I was getting ready to share a chapel message. And, um, and like immediately they were like, Pastor Jason, thank you so much for the Valentine's Day cards. Um, and so I was like, oh, good, you got them. That's so awesome. You know, that means a lot to me that you really appreciated them. And I vaguely remembered um, some group or someone at Horizon saying, um, we're, we're going we're gonna to write some Valentine's cards to our friends at, at Yankee Hill Village. And I vaguely remembered that, but I couldn't place it. I couldn't place it. Um, gave the message. God bless it. Um, then I was standing at the back of the door, and I always kind of shake hands. Um, and then I started getting all these cards. And I finally realized that um, there's, there's a life group at Horizons that to, in their togetherness took it upon themselves to write uh, these Valentine's Day cards to the Yankee Hill Village community. And um, friends, that might seem like a little bit of a small gesture, um, but I guarantee you they wouldn't have been as happy if we would have brought them each over a prime rib dinner. And... <laughs> And I love this. Dear Horizons Church, thank you for the lovely Valentine gift package we received. It was one of the dearest packages we have had the honor of receiving. Another, another person wrote and said, to my new friends at Horizons Community Church, and then names everyone on that life group. Um, they couldn't stop beaming about these cards. And I was humble because I had nothing to do about it. And it was just incredible. You see what the community does when it comes together. A card from one is cool, but a card from a family is infinitely more important. And that's you. So here's my challenge this week. I want to invite you to circle up. I want to invite you to find some people. Lord God, you are so good, and we thank you for all that you are doing. Um, We sometimes... Resist coming together or being in community and relationship, Lord, but, but it is good and it is powerful and it matters and we need it. Lord, we pray that you are with our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine as we pray for our brothers and sisters in Russia and other parts of the world who um, are being aggressive towards their neighbors, Lord. We lift it up to you because we know that you are the only force that will resolve this sort of conflict, but we also look to you that you might direct our steps and our prayers. We lift up this community. We lift up the future of it, Lord. We lift up all that you are doing. We lift up our confirmands. We pray for those who are suffering that you might provide your mercy and your grace to them in your timing. This is our prayer to you, Lord. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.